have the physical one, hold on to it. Uh, at the end of the service, by the two main exit doors, there'll be somebody from the welcome team ready to collect those connection cards, as well as a physical offering. If you have a physical offering you want to give uh, with the envelopes that we have right there. Uh, one other thing, lots going on. Uh, we're, we're unveiling something new today, this Sunday. Uh, every single Sunday. So when you go into the lobby, right, we've got the welcome table where you'll find Pastor Charles and welcome bags. And that's, you know, for those of you who are new to the church, you want to connect with someone, we'd love for you to stop by. And then next to it, we're going to have the open door. We have the open door community center table. And that's going to be staffed. Somebody's going to be there because our open door community center is just doing, you know, lots of great stuff, really exciting what's happening. And so every week, if you want to find out how you can get involved, different service opportunities, maybe there's someone, you know, that you know that really needs the help that the, uh, the community center offers, there'll be somebody there to talk with you. Okay, so starting today and, uh, and every week in our, in our lobby. So I am finishing our series here, Jesus 2022. As I've said, this has absolutely nothing to do with political parties or political platforms or anything political. It has everything to do with where are we going to put our, our focus in 2022? What's our life going to be about in 2022? I don't know if you picked this up yet, you know, maybe you're new, but we kind of make a big deal of, about Jesus here. We think Jesus really matters. And so we think Jesus in the center of our life makes all the difference. And, uh, and so today, I want to talk about what that means for us as a church. I want to talk a little bit about our vision as a church. Let me ask you guys a question. Don't worry, this is a rhetorical question. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to respond, unless, of course, you want to. But um, do you feel old? <laughs> you guys, all right, you guys responded, all right? I heard some no's. I heard some groans, which I think the groans got like, oh, so old, so old. But here's the thing about, like I said, feeling old, right? Because it really is a, a sense... Our perspective on what is old really changes, right? Do you remember when you were 18 years old and you met someone who was 30 and you're just like, oh my gosh, you're 30? Like, are you in a home? <laughs> like what, you know? I, I remember, you know, you'd hear someone who was like 40 seemed really old and now I meet people, you know, whatever comes up like age for whatever reason. And so people will say what their age is and I'll often say like, oh, you're, you're so young. But then I'll think, like, when did that number start being young in my mind, right? Because it, it kind of changes. And we live, we live in a culture, and one of the unhealthy things of our culture is that it's like this real, like, youth-focused culture, right? So we don't really, we don't value, like, as, as people get older, often they're, like, kind of shoved off to the side. What we really care about is, what does Gen Z think about everything? We really want to know, like, inside the mind of Gen Z. And it's just, we have this, like, fascination with, with youth. Um, but biblically, though, if, if we really think about this biblically, it's a very different perspective. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Here's, I love this part. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So that, I love that perspective because it says, listen, if you're getting older, well, what that means, you're going to still, like if Jesus is in the center of your life, you now have a testimony, right? Because you can, like you'll proclaim that God is faithful and that's not an opinion, 
right? You've gone through things in life. You've experienced things in life, and you've seen, like, firsthand the faithfulness of God, right? That you, you know you're going to bear fruit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to matter. Your experience matters. You've walked with God. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, a gray hair is like a crown of glory upon your head. So it was a very different perspective about, in the kingdom of God, a very different perspective about getting older. I like what Dallas Willard said. He said this. He said, you know, a way for you to think about yourself, okay? Like when you think about your life, wherever you are, kind of, you know, in the, in the scale of things, you are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Now that's going to, listen, that's going to change your perspective. If you really start thinking about your life that way, like I am an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe, who cares if I've got some gray hairs? Who cares if I got some wrinkles? Who cares if I'm slowing down a little bit? Because I'm an unceasing spiritual being in God's great universe. So, so with all that, I was thinking about our church. Because this is the 25th year of our church. So 2022, and that's, that you could applaud, that's, that's worth applauding for. That's a good thing. So I planted this church. My wife and I planted this church, and you know, a handful of other people, uh, in, in 1997 was when we officially kind of launched. So it was January of 1997. So our church is 25 years old. I was 30 years old when I, when I planted this church. I'm a little bit older now. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you, like, you think, like, are we old now? Like, are we an old church? You know, and, and so what is that like 25 years? That's kind of a long time. We're going to do some things like this year. We're trying to figure out when we're going to celebrate it. And so in May, we're going to do some things to, to celebrate our 25th year anniversary because that's a big deal. Um, but, but, you know, when you think about our church compared to, say, like the Catholic church, well, you know, 25 years is certainly not old. That's pretty young. You think about it compared to older Protestant denominations like a Presbyterian church, Congregational church, Methodist church. But if you think about it, like compare it to like that new hip church that just opened up down the block with all the bells and whistles and everything else, it's like, well, 25 years, you know, maybe we're, we're kind of old. You know, so this is kind of an issue for pastors. I'm going to let you in a little secret. You know, especially with video cameras. And by the way, I didn't say hello yet to everyone joining us on the live stream. Good to have you guys with us. But, you know, we've got these high-definition cameras now. And so some pastors, like, they'll get some work done. Like, they will. They'll, they'll like, you know, they'll be a little bit like, you know, whoa, pastor looks surprised this morning. What's going on? Um, <laughs> So you don't have to worry about that with me. Like, what you see is what you get. You know, I'm just going to kind of go, you know, I'm not going to go kicking and screaming into, uh, into old age. But, uh, but what, when we say that like a church is old, right, a, a church is old, what are we actually saying? We're saying more than just chronology. We're talking about maybe that church is out of touch or that church is irrelevant or that church is no longer, you know, they're not, no longer really impacting the current culture, the current environment. They're kind of stuck in the past. That's what we mean when we say that a church is old, right? We're basically are saying, like, the church is no longer having an impact. It's irrelevant to what's going on today. And so I think that a church is old when it stops doing what God created it to do. That that's when a church is old. The church becomes old when it stops doing what God created it to do. So as we go into our 25th year and, and, you know, another 25 years beyond that, how do we keep from becoming old? How do we stay relevant? How do we stay committed to what God has called us to do? And so I want us to look at a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2 is a, a very exciting chapter in the Bible because it's the birth of the church. It starts with the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit comes, you know, everyone's filled with the Holy Spirit, and God is moving and working in signs and wonders. And so the church explodes. And so the end of Acts chapter 2 is kind of this summation of everything that was going on during this period. And it actually kind of says what the church was about. Like, it kind of gives you their, like, their bulletin. It gives you their program. Like, what were they doing? And it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is a description of kind of what was going on in the early church when the church was first birthed. And so if we don't want to be old, this is what we need to be about, right? This is the purpose and mission of a church. And so let's break it down, right? Because we're, we're trying to do this. We've been trying to do this for 25 years. And so it says they were committed to the apostles' teaching. What that means is they were committed to teaching the Bible, to teaching the Word of God. And so we're committed to that. We, we hold a very high view of Scripture. We believe that, that Scripture is given to us by God to help us understand things that we couldn't understand any other way. And so we think it has authority. And so every sermon that I ever preach or that anyone ever preaches, we're going to open up the Word of God. Life groups are starting this week. Life groups are going to open up the Word of God together. Your kids right now in kids' church are learning the Word of God. Teens in teen church are learning the Word of God. We're committed to teaching God's Word, committed to fellowship. It's another thing that we see here, right? That just means fellowship means we're doing life together. And so that's why we do life groups. We do life groups. We have small groups because we want your church experience to be more than just staring at the back of someone's head for an hour and 10 minutes. We want you to, to have people who know you where, where you know and you're known and you can get prayer and you can kind of do life together. You can be in community. They, they were committed to prayer. And so we've got lots of, lots of ways that we, that we pray together. We do 21 days of prayer twice a year where we have our huge focus on prayer. We, you know, other ways that we pray. Uh, it, it talks about signs and wonders. We actually are a church that is pursuing signs and wonders. Like we believe that like what God did 2,000 years ago, he still does today. And not, we don't only just want to kind of talk about, you know, cool stories in the Bible and figure out how that applies to our life now. Like we want to do the stuff that Jesus did. We want to do what Jesus did. And so if you're a part of this church, we want to train you how to pray for the sick effectively. We want to teach you how to, how to prophesy. We want to teach you how to, how to move in spiritual gifts so, so signs and wonders can happen in the church and in your life. And so that's why I give another like, commercial for my, my small group. My, it, on, uh, on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, me and Don and Susa Holster and Patricia Ashby, we're starting doing the stuff. The reason it's called that, it's doing the stuff that Jesus did. And so we're going to train you how to do the stuff because we believe that signs and wonders still happen. 
We believe that God still moves and works. It talks about them pooling everything together and caring for their needs. You know what? We're committed to that. That's why we have a table with, with, uh, you know, that where you can go find out about the Open Door Community Center because we're feeding thousands of people every single month and we're teaching ESL and we're caring for people within our community. When you give to the church, so much of what's given goes back out, you know, into the community. We're committed to that. They, uh, it says they broke bread in their homes. That doesn't mean, that means more than just like they had meals together. That means they had, they celebrated communion. They celebrated the Lord's Supper as we did this morning. It says they were praising God. They were worshiping God together. And then the last thing that it says is that God was adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Meaning that our, you know, our church, what we want to be about is not just kind of having, having the church grow because people are transferring from other churches. You know, that's fine. Somebody like moves from another part of the country and they got a new job and they're like, hey, I want to find a church. And that's awesome. That's a great way for the church to grow. Sometimes even you might have someone who's like, I think I need to try a different kind of church. I think maybe there's something new that God, that's fine too. But we don't want that to be all of our growth. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to preach the gospel and see people who weren't following Jesus make a decision to follow Jesus so that the Lord will add to our numbers daily those who are being saved. And I actually think that that last one, all the things that it says in Acts chapter 2 is really important, but I don't think it's an accident that that's the last thing that's kind of summed up. That that's the last statement in this descriptive phrase of what was going on in the church. Because, think about it, if there's a church that's preaching the truth of the gospel, right, that, that's in community, that's worshiping God, that's passionately worshiping God, that's, that's laying hands on sick people and seeing them get well and seeing signs and wonders and, and uh, you know, caring for needs that are all around them. If there's a church that's actually doing that, like, you better believe that there's going to be lost people who are going to be getting saved, right? I mean, if there's that much life going on in a church, you would have to work really hard to keep unchurched people, people who are without hope and without God in this world, from, like, getting in on the good stuff that God is doing, right? And so, so I think that it's absolutely essential as we chart into the future, and as we think about what God is, has, you know, what we've been about and what we're going to continue to be about— I think it's really important that we continue to prioritize seeing people come to Jesus. And actually, you know what? There, that is something that, that I've discovered in all of my years as a pastor. I have to continually lean into that. I have to continually like put like kind of the pedal to the metal for that because there's something that happens in churches, a kind of a pressure that, that pastors have to deal with because every church, once they start, they're missional and they're kind of leading people to Jesus, but then all of a sudden there are people. And there's this kind of subtle shift where people start thinking, hey, let's not take our time, money, and resources to care for people who are out there. Let's take our time, money, and resources to care for everyone who's here. And so there's this pressure that kind of says, hey, take care of us. You know, like, be, you know, provide for us, focus on us, make church services all about us, you know, make, make all the resources of the church be about blessing us and helping us. And let me just say this, you know, in whatever way it's my job as a pastor to shepherd and to take care and to help, 
I don't think there's anything, I think it's a false dichotomy that says that we're either reaching out to the community out there or we're taking care of everyone who's in here. I think that's a false dichotomy because I really do believe that the best thing that I can do for you, the best thing that I can do is encourage you to discover your purpose, is to, discourage, is to encourage you to discover the ministry that God has for you so you can begin to realize that God can use little old you to change people's eternal destinies however it is God wants to use you. See, I think that's the best thing, the best thing that we can, that we can learn, the best thing that we, should, that we can do. So I'm getting ahead of my notes now. Let me, let me scroll down. Where am I here? Okay. So, so um, as we are preparing for the future, as we're thinking about what God is going to be doing in us, among us, I just want to encourage you that, that our best days are ahead. I want to, God has been faithful, God has moved, God has worked, but I think we're just getting started. Amen? Amen. I'm preaching way better than you guys are listening right now, I just want to say. (laughs) But I think that our best days are ahead, and I want us to go into the future, I want us to go into this year and beyond with a sense of expectation, because because 2,000 years ago, Right When the church blew up in the way that it blew up, when the church was just having this incredible impact and changed the world, it started with a handful of people who were just like looking to Jesus, waiting on God, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them in a powerful way, and they were committed. Jesus had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. They were committed to that, and so they did that in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the world around them was changed. Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, what Jesus was saying to them and what they ended up doing is was saying, like, listen, you don't have to be the most educated. You don't have to be the wealthiest. You don't even have to have the best bells and whistles and systems and this, that, and the other thing. What you need is you need to love. You need to love God, love people, love the world around you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're loving people, loving God and loving people in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna rev- there's going to be a revolution that's going to go on. You're going to change the world. And so in order for us to come into everything that God has for us, we don't have to be the smartest church. We don't have to be the hippest church, the richest church. We need to be the most loving church that we can be, right? That we're going to love God, we're going to love one another, and we're going to love the world around us. That's what we're called to be. And that's what, listen, if we're doing that 200 years from now, we're still going to be a young church, right? Because we're fulfilling our purpose. We're doing what God has called us to do. And so I want to encourage us this morning, a different way for us to think about the mission that God has for us and what it means for us going forward. I want us to think about three signs, or like three almost like banners, you know, that kind of hang over the church in a spiritual sense. And my hope is that this is something that we all hold on to. This is something that describes our church. This is something that describes all of our individual lives. This is something that people see when they interact with the church. And the first first sign is this. The first kind of spiritual banner hanging up is that everybody's welcome. That everybody's welcome. See, we want to be a church where everyone is welcome. The thing about Jesus that was so revolutionary, that was so shocking is that anyone who came to Jesus was welcome. 
Nobody was turned away. And the reason that was so surprising in Jesus' day is that the Jewish religion at the time, they placed a high priority on on being ceremonially clean, which meant that you had things which were clean and things which were unclean. You had people who were clean and people who were unclean. And a big part of being religious was making sure that you only touched things that were clean and you only dealt with people who were, who were clean. You had to avoid people and things that were unclean. This did not seem to matter to Jesus one bit. See, Jesus was welcoming everybody. So if there were pagans, unclean pagans who came, Jesus welcomed them. If there were unclean prostitutes and tax collectors, Jesus welcomed them. Soldiers and, and, and demon-possessed people and, and slaves and whoever, whoever came, Jesus welcomed them. There was this radical welcome that Jesus had, and it was constantly getting him into trouble. Like, it was, it was a thing. Like, people would be like, how could you be a Jewish prophet? How could you be the Messiah if you don't care about clean and unclean? And so here's an example. There was... Um, In uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Right? Jesus welcomed everybody. And they were all gathering around. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Because, listen, it was one thing to have unclean sinners gathered around. It was something else to eat with them. Because if you ate with someone who was unclean, then you were really unclean. And so they're like, this guy, he's even eating with sinners. He's even eating with unclean people. And during his ministry, you can see that his radical welcome to people surprised even the disciples. They weren't ready for it, right? I mean, like the, he would welcome the little children, but the disciples would kind of, you know, get put, like, you know, shoo the children away. Or there'd be blind beggars who would say, Jesus, have mercy on us. And the disciples would be like, leave him alone. He's doing important stuff. When Jesus was talking to the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, they came back and they were shocked. They were, they were surprised that he was talking to this woman. They didn't get it. But then something happened. Something happened in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Something happened in the Holy Spirit being poured out that this group of disciples, right, this church became this incredibly, radically welcoming group. That it didn't matter what your religion was. It didn't matter if you were a male or a female. It didn't matter if you were a slave or if you were free. It didn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile. Nothing mattered. Everyone got welcomed in the church of Jesus Christ. And it says this in Galatians 3, 28, 29. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, all the distinctions, all the divisions were down. All that mattered is, hey, do you put your faith in Jesus? Then you're one of us. Do you put your faith in Jesus? Then you are Abraham's seed. And all of the other divisions. See, humanity is so good. We're so good at dividing ourselves against other people. We just, even now, even today, right? It's like, this is my tribe. And my tribe is good. And your tribe is bad. And so we're going to be divided. Aristotle, he said, all those who are Greek are born slaves by nature. Right? If, you're not, if you're not born Greek, then you're a slave. Then you're like useless. You're less than. But this is how people always think. And it's how people think today. Right? There's us and there's them. 
There's the good guys who are people who think like us. And then there are the bad guys or people who think differently than we think, right? People who vote differently, people who look different, people who are educated differently, people who are richer, people who are poorer, people who are, you know, struggle with different sins than I do, people who think differently than I do, people whose cultures are different. We are constantly dividing ourselves. But when the church is working right, when the church is doing what God calls us to do, all of the dividing walls come down. All of the dividing walls come down because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And we realize that, you know what, whatever, however you're different from me, or whatever, however your background is different, if you're looking to Jesus and you're trying to get closer to Jesus, and I'm looking to Jesus and I'm trying to get closer to Jesus, then we have everything in common that we need to have in common. And we can together get closer to Jesus. And I don't think that there's any, especially in this time right now where the world is so divided, I just, you know, you might have heard one of the things that keeps coming up in polls is that Americans are really afraid of another civil war. The reason that Americans are afraid of that is because we know how divided we are. And I think now more than ever, the radical welcome of Jesus is we say we're going to have our eyes on Jesus and we're going to focus on him and we're going to do what it is he calls us to do. And there are no divisions. There's neither male nor female. There's not black or white. There's not Latino or Asian. There's not Republican or Democrat. There's no divisions between rich and poor, educated and uneducated. And when the church comes together and is, is pursuing the mission of God and loving everyone with the love of Jesus, then, then the church can change the world. When the church is working right, everyone is welcome. That's the first banner, that everyone's welcome. The second banner is this. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what that means, right, we welcome everyone. And what that means is that we don't pretend that we have it all together. Like, we don't have to say, like, you know, uh, you know, I don't have any issues. I don't have any struggles. I don't have any, you know, any problems. We can be honest with one another. And, and so much of what happens, like when a church kind of gets off mission and when a church becomes unwelcoming is when a church starts kind of, you know, people start getting judgmental and they start trying to pretend that they have it all together and they start looking down on some sins, you know, like the sin that you struggle with, that's a bad sin. The sin I struggle with, that's not so bad. And we start making these distinctions. We start making these divisions, right? But in, in the church of Jesus, we know that nobody's perfect. We know that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all have baggage. See, that's the thing. You have baggage. I have baggage. We all have baggage. And you're not going to get healed up of your baggage, right? One of the things that we say is that, is that as we walk with Jesus, you can find freedom, which means you've got baggage. You've got stuff that's weighing you down. And as you walk with Jesus, as you're connected with the church and, and experiencing Jesus and experiencing community, your baggage can get lighter, but you see, here's the thing. If you have to pretend that you don't have any bags, if you have to pretend that you don't have issues, then you're not going to be able to come into freedom. See, we have to be able to say, hey, I've got baggage, you've got baggage. We're going to help one another with our baggage with no judgment because we understand that nobody's perfect. We understand that we are all just sinners who are saved by grace. And it says this in Galatians 6 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
And so when we're able to just accept one another and we, we don't hold up these, un, these unrealistic expectations, we can deal with reality. And you can help me with my baggage and I can help you with your baggage and we can experience the healing that Jesus has uh, for all of us and we can he- experience it together. The last thing is this. The last banner that I want us to think about hanging over our church is that with Jesus, anything is possible. With Jesus, anything is possible. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. So it's this, this interesting account. You know, the disciples are going out and they're starting to pray for the sick and they're starting to do the stuff that Jesus did. And they encounter this, this boy who's demon-possessed. And the demon, like he'd have these convulsions and the demons would try to like kill him by throwing him into the fire. And they're trying to cast the demons out, but they're unable to do it. And so they bring the kid and the kid's father to Jesus. And so it says this, verse 20, it says, So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. So when the demonic spirit saw Jesus, it it acted out. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus... Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now I love this because the the boy's father wanted to believe that Jesus could help his son. But this had gone on ever since the kid was little. And I'm sure he'd gone to priests and exorcists and others and nobody was able to help. Jesus' disciples weren't able to help. And so he very honestly, he said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And so we know that that was a, a prayer that was answered because Jesus, Jesus healed this guy's kid. And so I think for us, it's very important with everything that we've dealt with over the last couple of years, with everything, like I think one thing that this pandemic, two years of the pandemic has really taken from all of us is our sense of expectation. I think that we have just kind of lowered the bar when it comes to our lives when it comes to what we hope to accomplish, when it comes to, I, you know, maybe not everybody, but I think a lot of, like, it's really kind of taken the wind out of our sails. And we're just kind of like, just trying to survive, just trying to get through. And I think that it's affected what we think, you know, what we expect God to do in and through us as a church. And I think it's time for us to say, you know what, with Jesus, he said that, he said, anything is possible for him who believes. And we say, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Because we, we hold to our theology of the kingdom is often expressed as the already and the not yet of the kingdom. And what that means is that we do not yet experience the fullness of the kingdom. When Jesus comes and he sets up his kingdom, right, everything's going to be different. That we're not going to need faith. We're not going to have to have the eyes of faith to see God. We're going to see God face to face. Actually, the Bible says that we're not going to need the sun up in the sky because the light from God's face is going to be all the light that we need. Right? There's going to be, there's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more injustice. There's going to be no more racism. There's going to be no more lack. Right? There's going to be provision for everyone. It's Presented by a, you know, the Bible says that the streets are paved with gold. It's meaning that like God's bountiful provision and the Holy Spirit's like a river that's running through the streets, you know, the center of the New Jerusalem. There's absolute bounty, absolute provision. We do not yet experience that in its fullness. We're looking forward to that. 
But we already, right now, we can have the power of the future age break in at any moment. Right? That, that we can see, the Bible says that we are a people who have tasted the powers of the age to come. And so what that means is as we are worshiping God together, you know, we look forward to that day when we see him face to face, but, but his presence from the future age can break into the here and now, and we can know that we know that we know that we're in the presence of God. Right? That we could have a need in our life. Maybe there's a financial need. And in the future age, there's going to be absolute provision and bounty. The streets are paved with gold. But we can see that provision and that abundance break into the here and now. Right? In the future age, there's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more cancer, no more sickness, no more COVID, none of that. And when we pray in the name of Jesus and we say, Lord, let your kingdom come, the of the future age can break into the here and now. And so that's why for us as kingdom people, understanding the already and the not yet, that we believe that with Jesus, anything is possible. That we can see the power and the life of God break through. And so I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us to believe God for big things for our church. That we would say, God, we believe as we are preaching the gospel, And as we're seeking signs and wonders, and we're welcoming everyone who comes in, and we're caring for each other, and we're loving each other, and we're we're worshiping you, God, I want to believe you for big things. I want to believe you, God, that you can start a revolution that the North Jersey Vineyard can be a part of. That we could see your life and your goodness and your joy flow in a way that will not only positively affect our life, but could affect the eternal destiny of thousands of people in the years to come. I want to have us just get to a place where we're just like, God, we, and yes, we just got to be aware. I believe, help me in my unbelief. There's so much right now that wants to discourage faith. There's so much right now that makes us want to kind of look down instead of looking up. But that we would say, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief, because I know that with Jesus, anything is possible. And listen, there's a lot that we want to see God do in this church. We're believing God for some big things. And really what I'm doing here this morning is I'm, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm wanting you to like re-up. I'm wanting you to say, hey, you know what? Yes, I believe in what this church is about. Maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you're brand new. But you say, yeah, I want to be that Acts 2 kind of church. I want to do the things that the church is supposed to do, that the church has been called to do for 2,000 years. And I see this church trying to do that, and I want to roll up my sleeves, and I want to be a part of it. Because because the vision that we have for this church is that we would be a church, this this multi-generational church, that we'd be this, this, uh, this multicultural church, that we would be this full expression of the kingdom of God. That we would do it all. That we do everything that God has for us. Everything that we see in Acts chapter 2. And if, if we're going to come into this, if we're going to come into everything that God has for us, we need to come into it together. Because some of the things, what we believe God wants to do in and through us. Let me just, I was just writing down some of the things that, that we're believing God for. Right? What we want to be, what we want to be about, what we want the church to look like. We want to be a church that preaches the gospel and every year sees hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. We want to be a church that baptizes tons of people on a regular basis. We want to be a church that disciples and teaches people how to live the Christian life. We want to be a church that helps connects kids and teens to Jesus. A church that helps us really live in community. The Bible says that God puts the lonely in a family. 
And there's so much loneliness in our world right now in the church. We want the church to be the antidote to the loneliness that's all around us. We want to be a church that celebrates diversity. A church that sees the sick healed in the name of Jesus. A church that sees the oppressed set free in the name of Jesus. A church that ministers to the poor, that feeds the hungry, that clothes the naked. A church that welcomes and helps the immigrant and the refugee. We want to be a church where there's so much life and there's so much going on that this building can't contain it. That we're raising up new leaders and we're starting new churches and we're starting new sites because there's so much life. The life of God is flowing in this place that it's going gonna, it's gonna to reproduce and it's going to lead to other churches. We want to be a church that helps people be set free from their addictions. A church that heals broken marriages and broken families. A church that pursues God's justice in all areas of life. A church, as, I, as we say often, right, that helps people to know God find freedom in their life, discover their purpose, and together we're making a difference in the world. We want to be a church where everyone is welcome, where we know that nobody's perfect, and with Jesus, anything is possible. And this is what God has called us to be. And so listen, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, those of you online, those of you here, if this is your home church, whether it's been for a few weeks or, a few, or years or whatever, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to give myself to this. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to, I want to be a part. I want to roll up my sleeves, and I want to be a part because I believe in the mission of this church. I believe what God has done, what He is doing, what He will continue to do, and we can't do it without you. And let me just let me say one thing. I was really debating whether or not to say this. I've been wondering, like, when to kind of bring this up, you know, because it's a little awkward. But I'm going to say it. I, I said it at 9 o'clock, and I promised. I said, you guys, I'm going to say it at 1045, too, even if, like, you guys get mad at me for saying this. I'm still going to say it. And I'm going to say it in the Spanish service, too. So we, listen, we, we're, we're living in these weird times. And so I want to say, especially to everyone who was a part of our church, March 2020 and before, We've had a lot of new people come into the church over the last couple of years, but especially to those of you who were part of the church, you know, prior to this whole pandemic deal. So what we've seen, I would say, is some of you have re-engaged with the church, and some of you are back in church, and you're kind of coming on, you know, like the same kind of attendance patterns that you had like, you know, two years ago. You're kind of back. You've been back. There are others who you're, you come back to church but it's kind of sporadic. You know, it's like you come sometimes and you kind of have maybe gotten a little bit out of practice coming to church. And then there's others, you know, like maybe people who are online now where you haven't been to church in two years. You know, I talk to people all the time who say, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm not there, but, but I'm online and, you know, I'm watching the live stream every week. And that's great. That's why we have the cameras. That's why we do it. But here, here's what I'm thinking. And here's where some of you might get a little mad at me. But, um, you know, we, like we just got through this Omicron thing. And Omicron, like it came really fast and then it like left really, really fast, right? Kind of as quick as it came, it, it left. We're in New Jersey. We, we are actually have like the highest rates of vaccination like in the world, you know? I mean, there's so many people, like the percentage of people who are vaccinated. And the other thing too is like pretty much all of us have had the virus, you know? Probably if we would ask people to raise it, we've got like natural immunity. We've got vaccinated immunity. We, we've got, you know, st protection, I think it's time for us to really think about, I want to I get back into church. 
I want to I be a part, because here's the thing, right? What it says, it says when the Holy Spirit was poured out, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples were all together. And so we're thankful for live streams. We're thankful for that. But there's something about us being a gathered people. There's something about when we come together, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people, right? Here's the reality. All the stuff that I said that I wanted to see, seeing hundreds of people come to Jesus, seeing baptisms, seeing worships that's blowing the roof out of the off the place, seeing life kind of flowing, the river of God flowing that's going to that's gonna go out into the streets. Like if this room is full, it really means there's going to be a lot more of all this other good stuff happening, right? If you guys are serving, like, we, you know, they're, they're, the more of you who are serving, the more of you who are involved, the more of you who are engaged, it's going to really make a difference in us being able to pursue the mission that Jesus has for us. And so I'm not, here, here's how I want to say this. And I'm, I'm saying a lot because I'm trying to be really careful in how I'm saying this. If, listen, if you are, you know, immunocompromised, or even if just you're like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm afraid, I can't, I can't do it, I get it. I get it, and that's fine, and I would never want you to feel pressured or anything. We're going to keep the live stream, we're going to keep doing it, we're, you know, we always are probably going to have groups that meet on Zoom. But, but for those of you who haven't re-engaged with church yet, but you're comfortable leading out in a restaurant, if you're comfortable to eat out in a restaurant, you can be comfortable to come back to church. If you feel comfortable to go to a party or go to a large family gathering, you can feel comfortable to come back to church. If you feel comfortable going to the mall or going to the gym or going to a football game or going to the movies or flying on an airplane, you can feel comfortable going back to church because we've got a job, we've got a mission, we've got something God is calling us to do, and with Jesus, anything is possible. And I believe that our best days are ahead, and no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And so I believe that we are ready, that God is wanting to launch us, that, that there are things, listen, Every, every foundation that people have tried to build their lives on, every false comfort and idol that people have said, this idol is going to support me, this idol is going to strengthen me, the last two years has shown that all of those idols are empty and hollow and they won't hold your weight. And so what we need to show, what the church needs to proclaim louder and with more love than we ever have before is that Jesus is the rock. That Jesus is the foundation. That Jesus is the rock. That when the winds and the waves come, that if you're building your house on the rock of Jesus, whether it's COVID or whatever it is, that rock's going to stand. That house is going to stand. The world desperately needs the message, the mission that we've been entrusted to convey. And so I'm just asking all of you to say, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's come into everything that God has for us. And so, Lord God, I thank you that you have given us a mission, that you have given us a purpose, that you have called us to something, God, that is so much greater. You've called us to something together that we could never do on our own. Lord, you've entrusted us with the gospel. God, the power of your Holy Spirit flows in us and among us. 
And so, God, we want to be faithful to everything you're calling us to do. God, we pray in Jesus' name, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill this church. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts. God, we pray that your word, as we preach your gospel, that your word would not come back void or empty, but it would accomplish its purposes. God, we pray that we would see hundreds of people saved this year. God, we pray that we'd see hundreds of people baptized in the years ahead. God, we pray, Lord, that we would be able to reach out to the world, to the community all around us and let them know that you you are real and that you see them and that you love them. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out everything that we need. Lord, all of the volunteers, God, all of the prayers, all of the money, everything that we need, you are able, God, to bless us abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we can abound in every good work. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that we would abound in every good work that you have for us. So come, Holy Spirit. God, we give you our church. God, we give you this year ahead. Lord, we pray that you would be at the center of all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand for a moment. We're going to close with uh, just an opportunity for you to get some prayer. We're going to start doing a little bit different now. We're going to start doing prayer ministry right up here in the front of the church, not kind of over on the side, because now that we have like chairs, you know, we still keep things kind of spread out a little bit. But uh, we're going to have people from the, from the prayer ministry team. Just come on up. Just come on up and just be here in the front so people can find you, so people can come and, and get some prayer. And so whatever, whatever need you have, whatever it is, right, we believe that, that with Jesus anything is possible. And so whatever your need is this morning, come on up. Let somebody, pray, let somebody pray for you. Let somebody pray. Let them lay hands on you and just pray that God will touch you. God will give you what you need. And I just want to encourage maybe some of you, come up and just, just ask to be filled with, your Holy, with God's Holy Spirit. And just say, hey, I want to be filled afresh. I want to be filled with God's Spirit, filled with His power, filled with His presence, so that I can kind of play the part that God has for me in this mission and this purpose that He's given to His whole church. So God bless you guys. Come on up, get some prayer. These guys are going to be here for a little bit, and, uh, and they would just love to have the opportunity to pray for you. God bless you. We'll be starting the growth track in about five minutes, to maybe five, let's say ten minutes, over in the Team Vineyard Room. God bless you guys. Have a great week.